Last month, you took on a man named Leonard Snart. We call him Captain Cold. We can talk about you giving your enemies silly code names later. You mean like over coffee with Deathstroke and the Huntress? Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. I'm your host, David Luzader, and with me again this week is... Nick Shermooksness. Oh, welcome back, Nick. Uh, welcome back, David. It has is, is actually been like two or three weeks, I think, since well, last for, time. Well, for you. Oh, right. Yeah, you did that one-man thing. Mm-hmm. Rave Barely. reviews, by the way. Barely Rave count. reviews. Barely counts. Yeah, people are saying that I should, uh, I should do a solo act, take my show on the road. Yeah, you're going to have, like, puppets and... I mean, it wouldn't be much different than now if there was a puppet. Let's be honest. Oh, I'm David. Well, anyway, this show almost didn't happen either because somebody had to go break their girlfriend's window. Whoa. All I did was step into the driver's seat and then started driving. But yes. Yeah. It was, it was, I was all like, all right, we leave now. We'll be back by 1030. It's a little late, but we can get, you know, we can do it. And we're like halfway down the street. Or somewhere like, is the window open? And we look back, and it's open. And we're like, oh, okay, let's let's close it. And we start hitting the switch, and nothing happens. And then we're like, uh. so we turn around, go back to her parents, and uh, you know, now it's uh, a trash bag and duct tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's quite a sight. Yes. So, but anyway, we insisted we had to do the show, so here we are. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get underway then. We got we got some good stuff to talk about. Let's start though with uh, this week's episode of The Flash. Oh, because man. this was a big episode. Now neither of us forgot to watch Arrow yet. I actually just watched the first like five minutes before we started recording this. Yeah, yeah, but, of course. Yeah, it was I'll, last night. But I'll have to finish it later. Um, but The Flash. Oh man, what a good episode! What a great episode! It was like emotional. Uh, it was, you know, awesome in the sense of like you want a superhero show to be awesome, like lots of great fights and, you know, they, big they, mysteries. You know, I I don't know how big their budget is compared to like you know like Arrow's first season. I imagine they got a little bit more, uh, yeah, just because based off the success of Arrow and and you know and all that. But I mean, some of the. You know, I know it's not a huge budget, so for some of the special effects um, they've been able to accomplish on the show has been, you know, pretty it's, impressive. It's, yeah, it's been like there's times where it's okay, or you know, you, you just kind of gotta like go with it. Uh, and then there's sometimes where I'm like actually really impressed that they're able to do that on a TV show. You know, when yeah. they when they first announced the Flash, everybody's like, it's gonna look so stupid when he's running, and you know, it's like they're they're barely gonna be able to pull it off. But they have done a great job with it. Yeah, if. it's it's like I, like the episode where he was fighting Girder and like he burst through the the school doors. That oh, didn't yeah. look bad at all. No, no, that was actually I, I kind of liked that. But but in this episode, I mean, you had a lot going on. You had you had the Reverse Flash versus Flash. You had the Firestorm. Oh, Firestorm! Um, you know, which I, I I am so curious to see what happens when he's not just a flaming hobo. Right. Well, and I, I'm curious because they're going to they're going to introduce the second half of Firestorm later on in the season, 
both halves actually they're, they're introducing professor stein and jason rush oh i didn't i didn't catch the professor stein news okay that's interesting so i wonder if maybe ronnie's powers are currently like a little hard for him to control and they're gonna find a way to stabilize it via you know the firestorm matrix essentially mm-hmm. and but it's gonna require two people to operate or something like that because i mean they're they've shown they're willing to go full comic book yeah i mean at the end of you know near the end of this episode uh, Ronnie is just like, all right, later, bitches, and like flies off, which is was so awesome. It was really cool. Like that's the first time there's been flight in this universe, and they just went with it. Like it was like no big deal. Yeah, yeah. It, honestly, it didn't even occur to me that that would have been a big deal. Like I was just like, oh, he's on fire, and he just flew away. Like what are people gonna think? And I'm like, oh, he just flew. Right. That should be important. It, it is funny. Like on this show, I mean, like this is superpowers for the first time, and and a lot of times it's like. They don't necessarily react like whoa, like like crazy. They're just like whoa, dude. Like they're all sitting around in like a, a pot circle and just being like, man, wouldn't that be great? And then like multiplex shows up with fifty copies and they're like, oh, well, multiplex. At, at this point, though, uh, you know, flight wouldn't seem like that big of a deal because you've got a guy who can run really fast. You got two guys that can run really fast. I also like that they actually use the word speedster for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um. But I mean, you've had a guy who can create multiple copies of himself. You have a guy who can control emotions with his brain. Like it's not unusual. Flight, flight <laughs> seemed, yeah. I guess flight. You know, after that, it's, after, it's a natural evolution. Like, the this first what eight or nine episodes, yeah. you know, flight wouldn't be that big of a deal. I would kind of be like, wait, nobody's done that yet. It's the first but, time. It was good, but I, I would say so, so. Like it was. I don't think creepy is the right the right word, but I mean like they've really established the reverse flash as this type of bookie man. Um, he's very very chilling. Like there's something about him that just unnerves you, and you and you you know you don't know who he is. And, and of course the the central mystery of who is reverse flash is is really compelling because you feel like you've got a lot of candidates. You've got Harrison Wells. You've got Eddie Thon. Uh, maybe you <laughs> even have Future Barry. You know. I'm. I'm. Well, I don't know. What are some of your thoughts on like the Harrison Well reveals? Oh, I don't know if you can call them reveals, but so like at the end of every episode, they kind of do this these Harrison Wells things. They're building up to something. Like obviously, he's he's either from the future or has access to the future. Yeah. Um. But also, like there was there was a line, and I before the 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 end of episode reveal like tease, uh-huh. there was a line. Um, I think it was when uh, Barry threatened the head of Mercury Labs. Uh-huh. Which flashback? She was actually the same character on the original Flash TV show. Well, okay, and that's that's something interesting I want to talk about in a minute. But, but... um, she says a line where she's just like, "Oh, you and Harrison Wells, like to Barry, or like uh-huh. you know, right? You two, like, you two are so alike. Similar. You're yeah. so alike, and it's just like, wait a second." Yeah, there's there's been plenty of hints that he is more than what he seems. And at the end of this last episode, they would have you thinking that he's more of a menace than he is, you know, benevolent. But it's it's so hard to tell. It's I'm not convinced that he is. First off, the 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 reverse flash, you know, and of course if this involves time travel, like oh, it's coming no, from a different point. It's in going time. to involve time travel, like but um. Like he's physique wise, like Harrison Wells is not the same physique. Right, Tam, that... Tom Cavanaugh does not fit that. <laughs> no. Yeah, but, um, but he does like the voice thing. 
So like, clearly Harrison has and, speed powers because he can't manipulate mm-hmm. your voice like that without and, the least well, speed and powers. He, and he heals. There's, that's one thing that was pointed out to me later. Like if you actually watch that last little clip, like between like one second to the next, he heals. Hmm. I think he got beat up by himself. Potentially himself. Yeah. I, oh man, they, I mean, this is really like, it's sort of one of those things where, oh, here's an answer, but it's raised so many more questions. Mm-hmm. And... There's, a, there's a real desperation in this episode. I mean, they really like, almost every episode you get hammered with the fact that like, this boogeyman killed my mom and da, 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 da. So, excuse me, you they really built up, they really built that up well and really showed off like Barry's just intense emotions about the whole thing as he's finally confronted with his mother's killer. Well, and when he's talking to his dad and his dad is just saying like, you know, and and like Barry tells his dad, like, you know, I have him. I can, I can, you know, I can bring him in. I can, I can finish it all. And his dad is like, you have let this man ruin your life. Like, just let it go. And that's just such an emotional scene. And I was like, Oh, just so many feelings inside. Um, and he's not done ruining Barry's life. Nope, not even close. Uh, but one thing, you know, you kind of mentioned the Mercury Labs, the head of Mercury Labs, and you have uh, the Flash's dad being the character who played the Flash in the old TV show. Yep. Uh, and another bit of news came out where we have Mark Hamill, who played the trickster in the old TV show, returning to play the trickster in this TV show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is obviously not the same universe. People would have known by now if there was another Flash. Yeah. But Jeff Johns uh, has said that they are not against doing, like, a, a whole, like, multiverse idea. Uh, and that there might actually be some sort of Flashpoint type event at some point. Uh, <laughs> where, that you know, would like, be interesting. Because we already know time travel is going to be involved. Because the you know yeah. the man in yellow is going to have to go back in time to kill Barry's mother. And you know he talks about there was there was other there was someone else there. There was the red lightning. Yeah, Cisco said that. I was like, oh. that's obviously that's well, that's obviously Barry saved himself from the situation. Did well, you not? Did you not get that feeling? Because that's what I got. I, well, I just got the feeling that you know Barry. That let's just say as we can, you know, whether it's this season or a future season that. Uh, it just reaches a, a climax where Barry is trying to stop the death of his mother by fighting the reverse flash through time. And it, it ends up in that living room, you know, mm-hmm. but ultimately fails. Right. So it, it could be that, you know, you know, Barry learns this and it creates that, I don't know if paradox is the right word, but that, you know, we're going to see his effort where he actually succeeds, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe throughout whatever no. the, the time space continuum Barry has been constantly trying and retrying to save his mom. Yeah. And you know, that w- we might see the, the success story, which could lead technically to flashpoint. Yeah. That's, a, that I was, that's what I was just thinking. Cause they've already shown that the, the future can change that you can change events. Cause in that one episode where flash or where Barry like seemingly loses his powers, uh, you know, Wells goes into his future room and, you know, looks at like, looks into the future and there's no mention of the flash. So, yeah, the, the the future hadn't changed. Yeah, which is it because because Harrison keeps going back and looking at. Well, and see that's what's interesting because if he is the Reverse Flash and he's obviously you know he's the greatest enemy to the Flash, why does he care so much? Yeah, when he's, he's not he's the very, Flash anymore, he's he's very protective of Barry. Yeah, and, that, and it's either because he's not the Reverse Flash and there's something else going on, or from like a, maybe a, like a sociopath's point of view, he. 
you know, wants Barry for himself. So he needs right. Barry to re- be able to reach a certain point as far as his whole like life, you know, his decades worth of like torture scheme is going. Yeah. He needs to be the hero uh, that he, like that he needs to defeat. Like if he, de- if he defeated Barry now, it wouldn't be a challenge. Yeah. Like he's just crazy enough that it's like, nope, I have to wait until he's ready and then I'm going to kill him. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's It got complex. It got really complex. Yeah, this this is definitely a show that even even compared to Arrow in a lot of ways, it's it's really you know there there's a I I don't want I'm not I'm not gonna be a doomsayer whatsoever, but they have a lot of balls up in the air, and you know I'd be super impressed if all of them landed you know spectacularly because so far the setup has been great, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that. It, it's the kind of show where you know like there's good episodes and bad episodes i mean that's like that with any tv show but i don't know i don't know if it's the the creative people involved or the fact that it's on the cw or what have you but there's elements of the show that don't always stick to landing so you're just you know it's a pretty lofty show so be curious to see how they end up you know over future seasons you know wrap things up Mm -hmm. but also i just don't like iris (laughs) I was actually impressed that they had a, a, a scene where Barry expressed his feelings to her this early on. Yeah. You know, I, I just didn't want them to drag it out for another season. We're just like, oh, he's not going to tell her, but he's still in love. And it's so sad watching him be with Eddie and we're watching her be with Eddie and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So for, yeah. be, for better or worse, Iris is the the love interest of, of Barry Allen. Well, I know that they're introducing, I think her name is Linda Park, who's actually the, like the future wife of Wally West, which hmm. is weird, kind of a weird thing. Cause I know they're introducing her as a potential love interest with Barry. Um, but you know, I, I wonder if Iris is kind of going to go the way of Laurel from, from Arrow where, where she becomes more of a, just a friend and a confidant, a friend and a confidant and kind of a, a you know, a protagonist in her, in her own right. Right. Um, because it, I, I'm not feeling it from Barry and Iris, you know, yeah. in, in this particular iteration. I, I I suppose I've never been particularly close to these these characters. Um, mm-hmm. but I just their personalities don't really mesh. I mean, Iris is she's like the quintessential damsel in distress, and I think I'm at that point now where I just don't care. Right, and that was kind of the thing about Arrow, where Laurel kind of broke that a little bit, right? Where she, yeah. like, she could handle herself, she knew how to fight guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, she, she she would still get in trouble and be the damsel in distress, sure, but she, you know, she was a little bit tougher. Yeah, there, there was a, she always, you know, she always fought back. And I don't think Iris was necessarily against fighting back. I just think there's something about the way her personality comes off, you know, mm-hmm. that like if if Barry and her hadn't lived together all their life, I don't think they'd be friends. Um, yeah, they've definitely element, gone separate paths. You know, now in their it, life. It, 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 they're, they're, I think there's like I think if I if maybe the show wasn't on like the CW, I feel like she's a very CW type character. Mm-hmm. You know, and that doesn't really mesh with how very not CW like Barry is. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the issue with these shows, isn't it? Like they're they're coming into their own right. Uh, with Arrow and the Flash, and then every once in a while, one of the executives would be like, "Wait, we're on the CW. Put some random, sexy young person in there." Yeah, it's it's like HBO's like thing about having like nude scenes in in their yeah. shows. Like this is just like there needs to be some like really cheesy romantic element to it, 
mm-hmm. you know, and I think the you know the the iris kind of fits that bill. So I'm excited for other, you know, I know there's one one character named Patty who's like a fellow CSI, you know, that's a that's a love interest. Oh, does like Central the Central City have more than one CSI? Because you could have fooled me. That, it's stuff like that that bothers the crap out of me. I'm eh. like, who else works there? <laughs> I mean, like, there's a building full of people and only one. They can only afford one assistant CSI. They well, always but call the thing is, assistant. they've never no. They've only called they only called them assistant in the the pilot episode. All right. Well, not since still, then. He has an, like an entire floor to himself. Yeah. It's it's you know it, it's one of those things. That's, it's more funny to think about. Well, and I can but, imagine them being very tongue in cheek about it, and when, you know when someone else shows up, he you know him being like, "Oh man, I thought it was the only one that worked here or something," you know. Yeah. Well, Which we'll, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's I, I bet they they'll introduce Patty at some point. I mean. Jeff Johns being an executive producer on the show, there's certainly a lot of Johnsian elements to the mm-hmm. proceedings, uh, and I know that when when he, on his his Flashroom prior to, um, uh, prior to Flashpoint, like he was kind of building Patty up more than Iris. So this seems like something he would want to. Uh, yeah, to yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say that Jeff Johns is against Iris. I just think that he was trying to do something different. And I know that, um, and I don't know if it's still the case in the current Flash series, but I believe when they re- relaunched or rebooted, I guess, that Barry was pursuing uh, Patty over Iris. But hmm. Iris was still there. So, yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, we'll see what happens. I, I'm just hoping that, you know, we're... We, they keep building onto this universe. Uh, hopefully, I, I know Jeff Johns is hoping to make a Booster Gold TV show out of this mm-hmm. universe on the CW. Was uh, it for CW? I thought it was for sci-fi. Booster Gold? Yeah. No, I hadn't heard too much about it. I just knew that I knew that he was wanting to expand this universe in some way. Anyway, we, we can talk about that stuff another time. Uh, man, read the show notes before you add that on there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so let's, no, let's let's move forward let's talk about some actual paper comics here let's talk about the valiant you buy paper comics yes weird what is paper um the all valiant. right so the valiant by um the three main creative players are um jeff lemire mm-hmm uh, Matt Kint yes. and Paulo Rivera. Paulo Rivera, whose artwork I've always been a fan of. I've met him in person. Uh, he did my uh, Star Lord commission. Um, just, fa- I mean, fantastic guy overall. Uh, I thought, and you know, obviously a consummate, very professional, and excellent artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, bag of garbage, but at least Paulo <laughs> Rivera. You know, just beautiful, beautiful. Oh. I'm just kidding. No, no, Jeff, Jeff and Matt. You know, I, I found that it was a the way that the issue was structured was, um, you know, it was accessible and, um, it was compelling. Like it really, it really built up like the, the initial, the initial sequences, um, were, were really good. Uh, I I don't know if it was as strong once it hit the end, but the end flowed with how 
the beginning was like you, set up. You, you can for, you can see what they're setting up here for yeah. for, a, for a four issue series. I'm pretty sure it's only four issues. For a four issue series, it's you know it's it, it was really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Did, did you read it? I did. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. You, you see, you, you use the word uh, accessible, which I thought was really apt because despite having bought the whole Valiant Humble Bundle, <laughs> I have not had the time to read all of those comics that I now own. Uh, you know, which, yeah. is, which is fine. I'll get to him eventually. But for me to then go into this and, hey, here's the most important characters in their universe in one book, I understood who each one was. I didn't, you know, didn't have an emotional connection to any of them necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I knew who they were mostly, you know, what their, what their role sort of is a little bit on their background. Actually, that was impressive is I, I know more about these characters than I expected to know by the end of it. And it didn't feel too uh, over explainy, like like we're gonna talk about this now, just so you know what's going on. Yeah, there was a little bit of that, I think, right? Like during the bloodshot. Oh yeah, during that was that was that was the worst part of it. Was, but they yeah. tr- you know they tried to work it in as naturally as they could. Yeah, you know, it's just the kind of thing that you know we we always talk about, like oh David, you know that time that we met, you know way back when, right? You know, right? But it's like it's just the way that they say things. You know, it's yeah. like remember when you were doing this for these people for this reason um i mean so, so you you can kind of see where this story is going you know you, you have the eternal warrior who's been trying to save this person called the geomancer his entire life and constantly failing mm. and you know it, it stands to reason this is going to be the time that it's different because he's going to be standing with these other like great heroes of the world yeah, not not just you know your your typical run of the mill Vikings. Yeah, which, I mean, you'd think those would be able to stop it, but come on, uh, you know. But it even though that bit is obvious, I'm still curious to see how it gets done. And you know, the art's really great. So on you know, on, kind of on that reason alone, I'm like, man, even though I know it's going to happen, it's going to look really good while they're doing it. Yeah, and you know Jeff Lemire, Matt Kind, you know it's it's not gonna be even if it is gonna be predictable, it's not gonna be boring. Yeah, and that's that's important even when you you know can see what's coming from a mile away. Yeah, it, this was a like so like the the different iterations of the immortal enemy. Um, the I don't know the, oh, there was there was a lot to enjoy about this issue, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Again, I, I think go, uh, I'm going to say it, but it goes without saying. Paul Rivera's art is just very well defined, very confident. You know, he, maybe his, his facial expressions are impressive. He, you know, I mean, sometimes like I, I was reading, I don't remember what comic was, but like, I, like a lot of times I look at the faces. Like sometimes I can, like if if you know, like when I'm reading the dialogue, even if it's a good piece of dialogue, if like the face, the face like that's saying it doesn't like match up with the emotions. Like, like they're yelling at you, but their face is just kind of like this, like gaunt, like, uh, like, you know, when it, yeah. when it looks static, it, you know, it ruins it. There are, there, surprisingly, there are very few artists that I've come across in my experience with comics that can actually handle various emotional expressions from, you know, panel to panel, moment to, you know, experience to experience. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, facial expressions are one of the hardest things because they seem so static. Yeah, and that's you know that's the hard thing with comics is making a static image feel uh, feel as if there's motion and like you're not looking at a picture of something. Yeah, those that can accomplish you know 
artists like Paul Rivera, like Frank Whiteley, mm-hmm. you know, that can accomplish that sort this, of illusion of motion. Yeah. You know, when it when it feels like a panel literally is a snapshot of a moment in time, that's when it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Especially done like in in exciting ways. Like there's the the, the two page spread um, that uh, with, with um, uh, Eternal Warrior as a mm-hmm crusader i don't know it's when he's in sort of like the knight armor walking through the oh, snow like, like and, near, near the end of his little intro thing yeah and yeah, then yeah. like you see in the various like there's like three like you see a volcano erupting you see what i'm assuming is like the black plague and a couple of them uh-huh. you know um just just really you know really excellent way of showing you know like this guy's like seen some stuff time and space yeah yeah and like this guy's lived through some through some crap yeah, I mean, it always, you know, when you think of someone that's been alive for, like, over like over a millennia, like, I mean, like, these guys have been around since Eternal Warrior, uh, Elad, their their brother, and Armstrong, who does show up in the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys have been around since Mesopotamia. Yeah. Like, they're basically a part of, like, the Gilgamesh story. And that's an awfully long time to be alive and yeah. to witness all these things and then to still keep trucking. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the impressive thing is you know the the Eternal Warrior has failed again and again and again, and his attitude at the end of it is next time I will defeat you. Yeah, I mean that that's you know that's an admirable characteristic in uh, in a hero, and that's something that we want out of heroes. That's compelling. You know, I I want to stick with this guy because he's going to keep fighting. Yo, yeah, you always feel like you you see these stories of like the immortals that just get like bored. They get after. jaded, and it's like I'm going to go live in my cave and never come down to deal with humans who are beneath me and then they yeah. have a story where it's like i still love humans some some yeah some kind of you know some like playing character shows up and teaches them how to live again and right. it's like oh that person's not interesting at all how could they do that yeah i'd be like you walk into my cave bored me more than like the last ten thousand years of my life right. but and everyone knows that nick is a, a humorless immortal yeah, that's that all. I have been trying to kill for years. It's true. Unsuccessful. Through the use of his own voice. It's How just, it's dare just you? So, it's just so grating. <sighs> but some, uh, I got like, uh, I'm looking at the um, the uh, bloodshot opening scene and just like art, artistic wise, like it just flows from one. Yes, you're in love with Paulo Rivera, we get to it. To the other, and it's so good. Um. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just really good stuff. Uh, I I had the um the yeah, digital. Did you uh, uh did you see the the digital edition or no. did you pick it up at the shop? I picked it up at the shop on a Comicsology. They offer like bonus content. I don't know if they I don't think they offer it in the physical copy, but it shows like Paul Rivera. He he like talks about his process from certain pages. So you see, yeah, like, you're not special. That's in my book. Oh, okay. The well, Valiant Number One Artist Commentary by Paulo Rivera. They called it a digital exclusive edition. Did they really? Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. I don't know what was uh, exclusive about it. Does, it. does yours have the extra pages of black and white in the back? Um, what do you mean of black and white? Like uh, it shows pages from earlier in the book, but in black and white without color. Well, oh no, I just have the one where it does it like layouts, pencils, inks, colors. Oh, of, of Paula Rivera's stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so that was makes this a digital exclusive edition. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sweet. But uh okay. I mean I, I did I, I, I read his um his uh commentary on on his own artwork and it's just interesting because you look at the page and I'm just like 
like this guy's gonna be a genius and he's like he's like oh you know i used the the sound effects as like a, a frame of motion and mostly because i didn't want to draw that area and i was kind of lazy you know <laughs> it's just like oh he's a genius you know yeah uh, that's, that's i really love it, like that that like the truth and, and creative you know the creative process where it's like yeah. look i either ran out of time or i just didn't want to do this so i took a shortcut yeah and it's like but that was such a cool like it, it worked it's oh like, yeah no no know, absolutely it was good it was good uh so the valiant you know it, it's um if we're talking in a broader scope it seems like valiant kind of a lot of their books were kind of wrapping up prior to this point and the valiant's going to be kind of the launching ground for their next phase i know mm-hmm. they've announced a bunch of books that i don't have listed in front of me so i, I it's hard to talk about them um well, but it seems like 2015 is going to be like uh, i don't know if it's phase two or three at this point but it's a new phase of of the of the valiant of their universe. Books, yeah that's super cool they get to do that by the way you know dc and marvel are so far into their things like they you know by the time they had an expanded universe it was so unruly and unwieldy that they couldn't really do these big cohesive things. And when they've tried, it's not always worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, to have a company that can, can come in and start off with that ideal, uh, you know, they, they get to do some really cool, fun things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, 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 it's great that we have a, another company that's doing this big expanded universe you know, in this day and age, I don't know if they'll ever be as big as as DC or Marvel are, but we get to enjoy them. They they keep you know who like whoever's you know working behind the scenes on like the business end and just you know making it like they they you know I know that they're they're still pretty small. I know that their numbers could be better, but um, they they really find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. So. Muy, muy impressed, Valiant. Good job on the first issue. I am definitely coming back around for the second. Yeah, I'll probably check it out, definitely. Cool. Let's, now, we're going to get to our event update here in a second. In a second. <laughs> it's been a second, yes, it's true. So, we're kind of off, you know, off of our schedule a little bit. I need to see where we should be at. I think this week should be Future's End, but... Uh, Nick and I have both realized that Future's End has fallen to the wayside for us. Yeah. Uh, it just hasn't grabbed our attention enough to stay in the week-to-week. Even last time we were supposed to do it, I think I was a month or two behind. Yeah, I'm like I'm like six issues behind that's, or something like Yeah, that. that's been over a month at this point. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and shelf Future's End. Uh, it, you know, I just also feel like nobody's really... like. <sighs> One of the hard things with, you know, with Future's End, like the difference with Batman Eternal is that Batman Eternal has this end point, has this end game. We're building towards something that's going to be big in universe. Future's End just kind of seems like they want to just tell the story. Mm-hmm. And are, have you been farting this whole time? No, it's a chair. Uh huh. Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> um, it's the chair. Yeah, whatever. So, but Future's End just just kind of seems aimless. Where, you know, somebody was like, I really want to tell this future DC story. And, you know, they're letting him run wild with that. But when Future's End is over, like, what is, like, what's going to be different for us? Well, I, I mean, I know that Future's End leads into Convergence probably more than, like, Batman Eternal does. Like, Future's End and World's End, which I haven't been reading at all either. Oh, yeah. Um, right, that's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It's, it exists. It's, it's in the world. Um, 
but it, it's it's sort of like I, I, some of the, the plot lines they have going in Future's End are intriguing, mm-hmm. but I think, and, and, and maybe the fact that like every once in a while I forget that I didn't read a certain issue of Future's End catches up to me, and I'm just like, wait, what's going on? Because it feels like 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 when they're on Cadmus Island, like the like the like the fall of Cadmus Island is like taking so long mm-hmm. you know and I'm yeah they're drawing like, stuff oh, out a lot on it you know and that's what it feels like a lot of the things feel drawn out when they could be wrapped up more quickly mm-hmm. so sometimes the stories feel padded um you know and the execution of certain storylines just you know i don't necessarily i, I enjoy the content but i don't enjoy the execution like the, mm-hmm. the, the the way the dialogue is written or you know, just the events that are transpiring. It's just like, all right, all right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I probably will, when I get a spare chance, you know, I probably will finish Future's End, get all the way to the end. I don't know um, if I will. But uh, I'm just like, I was behind. I was like, I'm not going to force myself to catch up, you know, for the show. <laughs> we don't We don't love our listeners enough. No, they don't get to know what happens. Nope. So, uh Tell, so go ahead then, in in lieu of that, tell us about Spider Verse. Oh, well, Spider Verse has been an interesting beast. We're now at the third issue in what is a six issue multiverse epic. Um, that was a lot of buzzwords, but continue. I'm good like that. Um, it, I've enjoyed it so far. The, like the first issue was, I, I thought great. You know, I, I think it, it set a lot of things up. It, it was very fast paced. It, it really, you know, got going very quickly. Um, it, it's certainly a story that's not beating around the bush. It's I don't know if like they had intended it for for it to be longer and then worked it down to six issues or anything like that. Because like when you think of every Spider-Man ever, you feel like well, this could go like this could go on and on and on and on. Yeah, just there's so, a lot of Spider-Mans. Just <laughs> Spider-Mans. Phil Spider-Man. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you know so it's 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 something that feels like they could really stretch it out clone saga style and that the fact that they're keeping it down to six issues is maybe a restraint on their part like deep down they really want to go (laughs) bigger but for for the for the the purpose of the story it's they're like learn from your mistakes come on (laughs) right um it's uh, it's just it's 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 really cool stuff. The the last issue and this issue, this issue, third issue is definitely better than the second one as far as the flow of the story. Yeah, you you, you mentioned that the second one was a little ham fisted. It was it was it was really ham fisted and like there was like whole pages dedicated to just like sending characters off into their own miniseries, which you know I I completely embrace and accept the role of tie ins. You know that only so much story can be told in such a big universe in mm-hmm. one book. Um, but like they weren't even hiding the fact. So maybe I'm just being kind of a, a buzzkill, and like they, you know, they were in trying, they were trying to have fun, kind of launching these other books to the main book. But then it's just like, well, if I really, you know, like if if the the clone story is so important to the overall narrative, and I'm only going to be able to get it in snips and pieces in the main book, mm-hmm. then you know why? Right. Um, but it's neither here nor there. I, you know. Uh, but in the second issue, they do that. They 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 reference some of the tie-ins, and then they even like like they actually spend like like a couple pages like so so they in, in one instance they send Miles um, and the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon Spider-Man okay uh, on a mission to the '60s Spider-Man cartoon 
Oh, that's kind of awesome. Which, which is like, if you look at the artwork, like you, you've got like the fully formed like Miles, and like then you have like the cartoonish looking Ultimate Spider-Man mm-hmm. going into the very minimalist '60s. Like they're like they're commenting on like that building is only like six windows across. Like, <laughs> oh, where do you think we're gonna find Peter Parker? Like, oh, well, that building, you know, is the only one that actually has a sign on it. It says Daily Bugle. Huh. Um, so it's stuff like that that was really <laughs> that's, really that's pretty funny. fun. But they're they, they're showing that that story in you know in one of the the spider-verse tie-ins mm-hmm. so why you know maybe show a panel of them entering the world but they literally dedicated like two whole pages to it and then like kind of brushed it off yeah and then it's like all right i you know i don't necessarily know if that's going to come back to be anything important but it didn't to me it didn't, didn't seem like it so that's two more pages of story we could have had focused elsewhere mm-hmm. um in this issue we had our we had our confrontation between the superior Spider-Man and the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, at this point in the story, Doc Ock thinks that, that, that Peter Parker is from earlier in the timeline. So he's like positioning oh. himself as the older Peter Parker. But in <laughs> fact, that amazing Spider-Man is, is, the, the, older. Older Peter, is the older Peter Parker. Um, oh, that's pretty funny. So um, they, they kind of have a little duke out and basically amazing spider-man punches superior in the face and um uh and uh knocks him out and uh basically you know makes the whole like i'll never kill and that's why i'm going to be the leader and something something and essentially superior kind of like toes the line a little bit he's like okay okay um and this is also kind of the issue where everything goes to hell. They've been, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it from the first issue, but they've been sort of hiding out in a universe where there was a, um, a, a Spider-Man that never lost the cosmic powers of Captain Universe. Okay. That's the character was called. So they, they just assumed that, um, the, um, that the inheritors, the villains of the story wouldn't dare to go there, that he'd be too powerful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but spoiler uh, alert spoiler alert they they show up anyway they introduce well who's probably the the biggest of the bands his name is solace he's kind of the the, the patriarch of the inheritors mm-hmm. uh he's big he's brawly um he's got a fantastic beard and um he basically just shows up and wrecks the place and kills the cosmic spider-man and uh everyone's like <gasps> like they all just kind of go running um they also had introduced three concepts in, into well, they introduced them in the first issue, but they they you find out who the final one is. Um, uh, they they introduced the bride, the other, and the scion. The other is actually we've already known about for a while. That the, the Scarlet Spider, the uh, Kane, the clone of Peter Parker, was mm-hmm. the other. Originally, it was supposed to be Peter Parker, uh, our Peter Parker, but he he rejected the the. The, I don't know, the choosing and it eventually found its way to his clone uh, the bride is new character Silk and then they they reveal that the Scion is the son of Peter Parker from the Spider-Girl universe uh-huh. and that's basically where the issue ends okay. it shows Moreland holding the, the baby baby Benjamin in his hands being like I found the Scion and like I guess it's going to be a big deal you know going into the rest of the series so uh, yeah, it basically is the the issue where the shit hits the fan, and um, I mean the art's been great. Like you know, Olivier Coppel, you know, can't go wrong with him. Um, like I said, this issue wasn't as bad as far as 
you know, kind of being shameless, like shamelessly, you know, t- re- uh, revealing his tie-ins. But mm-hmm. um, still, I mean, I just, I love the concept. I love seeing all these different Spider-Man hangs around. I mean, there's so many different permutations of this kind of, of this kind of event that you could do, you know, that you just kind of have to enjoy the ride with the one you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, who knows? But, you know, so far, Spider-Verse, very cool book. If you want great art and you want to see a bajillion Spider-Man hanging around in the background, read spider-verse yeah I'll, I'll probably actually eventually read it because this is i've actually heard nothing but good things even though i'm a little you know shy on the event comics uh and i also did see one panel from the latest issue that i really liked where it was spider gwen and peter parker talking mm-hmm. uh and he says you know i just wanted to save the gwen stacy of my world but i couldn't and she says i, I couldn't save the peter parker of mine either uh, and there's something where it's like, you know, well, let's keep each other safe. And there's, I don't know, it's just, they seem like a really sweet moment. It was a sweet moment. So, it was. Yeah, I don't know. And, and, uh, the, uh, I know there was just an interview that, uh, of, um, uh, what was it? The, the writer of the upcoming Spider-Gwen series, you know, which the more I think about it, you know, is, is going to be, it's, it's a really unique opportunity to explore uh-huh. a character that, you know, is only really existing now because of, because of fan, fan response. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the story-wise, you know, being that's where you're, you know, where you've been operating for a while, but you're still fairly, fairly new. And now you're going back to your, your home universe with, you know, essentially your origin story almost involves like a cosmic crossover. And it's like, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you respond to that? And then how do you bring that experience back mm-hmm. to your home world? So, Spider Gwen's, you know, beyond the fact that I know it's going to have awesome art, you know, it's definitely a book to watch for 2015 and and see where they go with it. Yeah, we'll finally have the spider power couple we've always wanted. <laughs> but good, you know, good good stuff from, good from stuff. what I understand. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm no, just, definitely I'm, good stuff. I'm looking at a list now of all the uh, the the Spidermans. Spidermans. Uh, like was, bullet bulletproof Spider-Man is that what this is bullet point bullet, bullet point, point. it was just uh, Bruce it was, Banner it was Bruce Banner he got killed in like the first issue <laughs> and then a bunch of versions of Miguel O'Hara yep uh, are you looking at the death list so or something oh hey apparently this is the list of casualties well <laughs> spoiler alert to myself then yeah there was an issue of I thought this was of, just a uh, bunch of the Spider-Man Spider-Man 2099 that shows like uh some of the characters some of the inheritors killing like various uh, 2099 spider-man interesting interesting all right well we've got a good bit of news to get through so good deal on the spider-verse stuff we will come back with more information on that as it comes out and maybe i'll try to get caught up before uh before things end but before we get on to news nick have you missed getting quizzed have you missed having your family members threatened because if you happen to fail this quiz I'm going to shove bombs into their brains and make them do secret government missions that if they mm-hmm. fail will result in their death. I'm trying to envision my family and friends. Yeah, they would be dead operate, pretty quick. Operating as a suicide squad and it would be suicide. Oh. It, it would be suicide. So, yep, we're going with a suicide squad quiz. Ooh. How much do I actually know about the Suicide Squad? Not much. All yeah. right, let's find out. So you know, we'll 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 see what happens here. Uh, 
In what comic did Suicide Squad first appear? Suicide Squad number one? Mm, no, it was the Brave and the Bold. Darn you! Uh, okay. Uh, I'm over it now. Uh, you know, I'll give you a slightly easier one here. Uh, their base of operations, Bell Reeve Prison, is located in which state? Louisiana. Yeah, look at you go. That I knew. Yeah. Uh, give me just a second here to figure out next question. Uh, Suicide Squadron. Suicide what? Squadron. Suicide Squadron was founded in which war? World War Two. Oh, look at that! Second correct answer. Everything in comic books involved. <laughs> yeah, happened in World War Two. <laughs> Everything happened in World War Two. Yep. All right, so you you've got one correct. Got, no, you got, two, yeah, two correct. Sorry. Well, don't <laughs> shortchange me my corrects. Uh, and let's see. Next question. Now uh, you would get that one way too easy. Um. Da 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 da. da. You know, you want to uh, give give some fluff here. Maybe just talk randomly while I'm figuring this out. When David was a young boy. All right, stop he... it. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, here. How about how about this? Who who was the first leader of the Suicide Squad? Drin. <laughs> um. Like like the field leader or like the person that oversees the whole thing. Who was yeah the field leader? Let's go with oh this this just says you know the first it, when it was Suicide Squadron World War Two it was led by oh geez no idea no idea Deadshot Senior Senior nope who was it by Rick Flag Senior oh uh, I have heard the name Rick Flag yeah which is that's the character Tom Hardy is playing oh really mm-hmm. I don't think he's playing senior. I think he's playing. I mean, junior. he might just be junior or just Rick Flag. Yeah, they might just say introduce a World War Two element. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what they're gonna do there. Uh, okay. Let's see. Looking at the current members of Suicide Squad, uh, which of the following is not a member? So. Of the current series? Of the, of the current series. Okay. Uh, the current members of the Suicide Squad. Is it A, Bronze Tiger, B, Count Vertigo, uh, C, um, Captain Boomerang, or D, Multiplex? Uh... So Bronze Tiger, Captain Boomerang, um, who is the other one? Count Vertigo. Count Vertigo or Multiplex. Multiplex. Uh, pretty sure Bronze Tiger is on the team. I also think I remember seeing a page with Captain Boomerang in it. Um, it would be between Multiplex and the other guy that keeps drifting out of my memory. Um I'm going to go with Multiplex. Mm, nope, sorry. What? Captain Boomerang is not a current member. What? Multiplexes? Yep. 
Oh no, I was doing so you good. You were doing so well until oh. you lost everything. Man, it's oh. really going to be sad when Anna's uh, head explodes. So, oh, you know what? You know what? Hey, I apologize. I was looking at an old list. Oh. Oh, okay. All right. So Multiplex definitely is not on the No, team. actually, none of those people are currently on the team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I found that, that list from. Okay, but hey, you know what? I'm going to give you another another four. Are, oh, no. Ready? Okay. So which of the following is not currently on there? Uh, is it A, Black Manta, B, Deathstroke, uh, C, Joker's Daughter, or... D plastique. I know Joker's daughter is in it. Deathstroke is in it. Um, who's the last one? Plastique. Um, I'm gonna go with plastique. Oh, man, can we go back with the one that was wrong? <laughs> That's on you, my friend. That was on me. I know there, there are probably people who are listening to this who are like. What the hell is he talking about? Those aren't members of the Suicide Squad. So, yeah, you got got more right than you Boom. got wrong. Fine, I won't murder everybody you love <laughs> this time. All right, moving on. We're gonna Nick talk about wins. some news now. Since you since you weren't here last week, go ahead and give us your like two minute reaction to the Suicide Squad cast and the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, Doctor Strange casting. All right, here's my reaction for the Suicide Squad cast. All right, <laughs> here's my reaction to the Doctor Strange casting. All right. Well, that was simple. To right. the point. Well, you know, I just I want the listeners to just get you know I want to get I don't want I don't want bullshit anyway I want to get straight down the nitty gritty, and at the end of the day you can cast whoever you want, you know, uh, Doctor Strange could have been a large black woman, you know, named Amanda Waller Strange, and you know what there's there's probably a way to pull it off and make it cool. Um, I still have really high hopes that they get Oprah to play Amanda Waller. By the way, <laughs> that's that's what they want. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, I would be. That would be beyond amazing. <laughs> just seeing Oprah in that kind of, you know, she's just like a humanitarian type. I <laughs> know. In that position, which it would be so great. Be really funny. Um, I mean, I don't have the uh, the Suicide Squad cast in front of me right now, but I know that like big ones are. So you got Jared uh, Leto as the Joker. You've as got the Joker. Uh, Tom Hardy, Rick Flag, Will Smith, Deadshot. Um, can't remember her name playing uh, Harley Quinn, uh, Jay Courtney as uh, Captain Boomerang, and then uh, whatever her name is playing Enchantress. So right, I don't first, remember the first, women. First off, and we forgot to talk about this with The Flash, um, Captain Boomerang on that show was cool. Oh man, they made him the, so awesome. Wasn't like he was like he like the jacket everything. I mean, I all right, a guy with boomerangs isn't going to be walking around a train station, but you know what? He's that damn cool. He can pull it off. Right. Like they and they made him like an actual threat, like he knew how to fight really yeah. well, like not just like throw boomerangs around and hope that they hit somebody. It's like he could get up there and really pound away. He and, really yeah. No, he so so that's cool. And that said, Nat, like, Jay Courtney, there's something about him and, like, absolutely nothing against the guy personally. 
but I haven't necessarily enjoyed his presence in any movie that I've seen him in. And I, I've only, like, I've seen the Die Hard movie he was in. I saw mm, Divergence. Um, maybe that, I think I saw something else with him in it, too. I saw but, him in that and then him in Jack Reacher. Yeah, and Jack Reacher. I guess I liked him in Jack Reacher. Yeah, he was all right in Jack he's Reacher. Kind of the, he's, kind of, he's kind of same face. You yeah, know, he's, he's emotionless in Jack Reacher. There isn't a lot of expression. I'm not saying that Captain Boomerang has to start crying on screen or anything, but mm-hmm. I, I just, he, he doesn't necessarily light my world on fire. Uh, I'll just say that. Um, okay. You know, the, never mind. Uh, it could go weird places. Um, Jared Leto as the Joker. I really don't know Jared Leto that well. I know that he's like in a band. I know that he had like a stellar performance in the Texas Buyers Club. And Dallas Buyers Club. Di- sorry, Dallas Buyers Club, and um, you know maybe some other things. Um, like I'm okay with the casting. I think my if I have any sticking uh, point, it's the fact that the Joker is going to be in the film. Yeah, that's going to be as interesting. A the team. It, 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 and I'm not saying it can't work. But I just, he's the kind of character that, like, you know, you're a freaking moron. Mm -hmm. Well, and he's, you know, he's chaos embodied in a way. I mean, that's the way they've been representing him, you know, lately. Uh, See, you know, you got to hope that it's, it's not just going to, like, they're not going to, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with him. Because truly to, like, truly to have Joker on that team, like, he's going to have to be, like, currently like getting shocked every five seconds by somebody to keep him in line yeah and, that, and i don't know if that's like a joker i want to see you know on one hand like a joker is not my favorite villain he's the kind of villain that i absolutely loathe and i, I just want to see him put down but i feel like characteristically i think that he would rather have the bomb go off in his head right than, well because you think he'd, you think it'd be funny because he because i think i think that that but i think that if he's all about chaos and disorder, the fact is that he's being he's being forced to toe the line mm-hmm. and essentially fight for order. You know that their their primary fo- you know missions involves you know stopping unrest. Yeah, you know we'll whatever. see. I mean, there's still so much unknown at this point. I, I I agree that he's the one that I'm like, oh, like what are they gonna do there? Yeah, but I mean, you know, until we we start getting plot details or a trailer. Yeah, it's, hard hard to say what you know how you know what his actual role is. Maybe he's on the team, maybe he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and also I like, mean Harley I, Quinn is there, so he'll you know it could just be something related to her. Harley Quinn is another character where I actually I actually like the character of Harley Quinn. I do not like their her interpretations yeah. from the last like two three years. Like since Arkham Asylum through the New Fifty Two, yeah, I don't particularly like the look. Yeah, the look is the biggest issue for you sure. Know, I'm not saying she has to be stuck in her same, you know, 1990s cartoon look, but but she doesn't need to be. She doesn't need to be a sexy bombshell. Yeah, exactly. There's just there's something in there where, especially because her character, you know, at least initially, it starts off as like with such a deep affection for the Joker, mm-hmm. you know, that you almost feel like there's sort of like this, like the only person, you know, that. Basically, she comes off so sexy. It's like, wasn't well, that something that you'd want to share with the person that you're so obsessed with? Like, you wouldn't want anyone else to see you in, in such a light. Well, she was dating person. Deadshot for a while now, wasn't she? Was she? Yeah, I'm pretty sure her and uh, Deadshot had a had a thing. I know. Like, I know. Like, her current iteration is less hung up over the Joker. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in Death of the is... Family, she just kind of helped him out and like didn't feel good about it. Yeah. Um, 
you know that he that he's not the same Joker and she's not the same Harley Quinn. Like I'm okay with like I'm okay with that. You know that she progressed beyond the Joker. You know, but I just I don't. It, I don't really like the Joker Harley Quinn relationship. And I really hate when I see like people glorifying it online or like the people that got married with like a Joker Harley Quinn wedding. And I'm like, that is such like a nasty relationship to base your love on. Well, Hey, you know, she's crazy. He's crazy. Crazy for each other. But well, no, Joker was not even crazy for her. She's just a tool that he uses. And then he, he plays around with her like a a flopping fish on the ground. Right. Oh, Hey, some, I mean, Abusive relationships are complex, man. No, I, I agree. So that's why it's like, you know, what I'm assuming is an otherwise healthy relationship, you know, would use it as the basis for their whole wedding. Mm-hmm. That's a totally other story. Um, right. Well, but as far as the rest of the cast, I don't know Rick Flag. I don't know who the Enchantress is. Uh, it's an interesting team. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of characters they could have gone with. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm wondering who along the line wanted to put the Joker in, I feel like he may not have been an initial choice and that maybe the the studio which is like, oh well, Joker's like a cash cow, let's put the Joker in. Well you know that's a possibility. I think there's also some creative stuff going on here where it's like instead of just making another Batman movie in which we have to introduce the Joker, it's you know, we can introduce him in this new thing. So when he appears in Batman we don't have to waste time like building this guy up. Yeah. It's just oh he's already established. I could definitely we see the Joker. They, I could, I could see the Joker. They do be closer to the the Heath Ledger Joker, who kind of had this sort of anarchist, you know, yeah, post-military but, look to him. Well, I don't know. Actually, I could. It's going to be. I mean, there's so much. Like we said before, there's so much unknown here. Uh, this is all just pure speculation. I think Jared Leto is going to create a Joker that is going to stand apart from Heath Ledger's, mm-hmm. uh, in you know, in a good way. He's, he's going to because. We don't just want someone else to try and fill those shoes. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's like how we talk about the Jack Nicholson Joker versus the Heath Ledger Joker. They're so different um, to the point where I don't actually understand how anybody enjoys the Jack Nicholson Joker. Um, I, I get people, like, occasionally will be like, oh, man, like, he was so great in Batman as the Joker. And I'm like, really? Really was he? For you know, for the time, it's apples and oranges. They were they're very different interpretations of the Joker. Um, you know, D- Jack Nicholson's Joker was much more the you know gangster, the the, the gangster trickster type. Um, you know, and Heath Ledger, of course, was kind of the anarchist. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting. You know, what what who is the Joker when you know he's being introduced through like a paramilitary suicide squad? Mm-hmm. Um, It'll be definitely it's one of those movies where you know I, I I always suspected that they would make a Suicide Squad film. I didn't necessarily suspect they'd go with this team. cast, yeah. this team. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of comes, comes together because it comes out. Well, no, twenty sixteen, right? Yeah, it comes twenty sixteen. So it'll be in twenty sixteen. You'll have. I can't believe Batman v Superman is that far away. I know. Like that's a long. Like, I know. I mean, it happens. Like, it seems weird to me. Like, it's a long time away. Like, it'll happen eventually. But like, I mean, the movie it started still filming. Feels so far. Did it start yeah, filming? it's, like, it's almost this year. I think they've announced that it's either wrapped or it's close to wrapping. Yeah, and it's just gonna sit on a shelf for a year, basically. Well, I mean, I, I guess they could give them a head start to start filming. You know, I think that's the idea. Other they, stuff. They're wanting to get ahead of the game. Yeah. 
because right. 2016 to 2019 is gonna be pretty packed mm-hmm. all right so you know we let, let's uh let's move on down the list here though let's keep on keeping on so another casting news uh ryan reynolds is now confirmed to play deadpool Finally, uh, I know we, you know, we were just, we were all waiting for this to happen. It's just nice to have it actually. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it, it feels, it feels like um, if it didn't happen, it would be one of the most crying shames uh-huh. of the universe. Yeah, it, as it's, far as pop culture goes, it, it, with this movie happening, it, it's kind of getting to the point. It was, well, it was getting to the point where you know I'll believe it when I see it. Like this is never going to happen, and now that it is, it's it's exciting, but they're also facing the same hurdles where now that it's happening. You know the studio is going to want to make it PG thirteen because that sells tickets more than a rated R movie. But it's a movie that you know I think actually at P- it could happen at PG thirteen with the right script. It absolutely could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think R is going to give them more room to play around. Yep. And uh, you know. I think that would that would benefit a Deadpool movie to not have as much restriction and to feel like you know we we need to fit this mold rather than you know we can do what we really want to do. It's yeah, it's you know and you saw the the demo video they yeah, uh, right like I love the demo. Like it, it it was fun. Like they if if they you know, it, I'm not this. You know, I'm not a big Deadpool guy, but I mean, this this is something that's been a long time coming, and um, I just hope they don't screw it up again because right. <laughs> they did it once. Yes, but we don't talk about that movie, and we've had a couple great Wolverine films since then. So, or films yeah. with Wolverine in them. <laughs> You know, uh, like uh, X Men: Days of Future Past no, was a great I was, film. I was gonna say, like, the Wolverine was pretty good up until the final, the climax, oh, uh, and that's then true. and then that that same crappiness followed all the way through Days of Future Past. So why do you hate that yourself? Said, why do you hate yourself so much? That Nick? being said, Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse for the sequel. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about that yet. Interesting, interesting. Definitely don't. I don't get the vibe that he's gonna be the big hulking monstrosity. Well, it's gonna be a lot of CGI. For sure, um, I mean, you know, Josh Brolin, obviously as Thanos. We've already seen him. It's pretty much all CGI. Yeah, that's, that's true. But, but yeah, Oscar Isaac. You know, he's a guy that like I don't. I've not necessarily seen a lot of the stuff that he's been in. But yeah, he's I'm like looking that, at his like, stuff right now. You kind of like you kind of like you always notice him. Like he's always he sticks out in a scene. Yeah, I'm trying to think even what I've seen him in. He was in Serenity. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. No, he wasn't. I'm looking at his list of films right now. Who the heck am I thinking of? I don't know. Who do you think he played in Serenity? The guy that, like, drops the shield for them. He was kind of like the hacker type. Oh, no, that's not Oscar Isaac. I I totally thought that was Oscar Isaac. Wow, Serenity came out in 2005? Yeah, Serenity's kind of old. No, no, that, that was the guy from, like, Numbers. I thought that was Oscar Isaac. No, it's not Oscar Isaac. The only really? movie I've seen... Oh, David Crumholtz. Oh my god, what does Oscar Isaac look like? <laughs> Oscar Isaac from... From... Uh, Law Lemon, and Order Lemon Lemon Davis. Uh Yeah, Inside Llewellyn Davis, which I've never seen. Well, okay. So Oscar Isaac and David Crumholtz. There's something... 
very similar about them. Um, so you know, you mentioned that you didn't, you know, you didn't think he was going to be this hulking mass CJ, blah blah blah. I'm using that as a term, uh, as a way to segue into Josh Brolin talking about how Brolin. how Infinity War he described it as Thanos versus everyone. Yeah, uh, which gets me really excited. Everyone. So something's going to happen in phase three that's going to draw his attention to earth and cause him to come down and uh just wreck everybody and deal with it on a per on a personally because i mean technically right. technically the avengers one was his invasion as well yeah true and that didn't work out not so much though though some might say one theory that i've heard uh and this might just be putting you know too much into it but the idea was that the, the invasion would fail so that Loki would be uh, captured by the Asgardians, giving him a chance at some point to take over for Odin. Which that might be, you know, just might, filling in, filling in think, gaps that aren't there. But I think in lieu of, I don't, maybe Loki, Loki probably, I don't think Loki's ever going to stop thinking that the throne of Asgard should be you know, his. Was his. Um, but I think that in lieu of that, not working out so much in Thor 1 that Avengers was his like alright well if I can't get Asgard then I'm gonna get Earth, Earth yeah no that Wait. makes way more sense either way either way yeah it's hilarious that you have no idea what Oscar Isaac looks like though. well no now I have a picture of David Krumholtz and Oscar Isaac up on the computer and you can see <laughs> where you where got I, yeah, where, yeah sure, sure I, yeah. I went wrong sure like these, Keep telling these, guys, that. these guys are brothers no they're not so, they, are, they are definitely alright so Krypton is a new TV show coming to sci-fi uh, being spearheaded by David S. Goyer uh, which immediately turned me off on the whole idea but I, I'm curious enough so, so Krypton is coming out which is going to be about Superman's grandfather why, why? Just, why not just stick with Jor-El, like because telling. it's a prequel to Man of Steel, and they can't afford Russell Crowe. Is it's actually tied to Man of Steel? I'm pretty sure. Let me like triple check. I don't think so. But from what I've heard, um, we'll follow the Man of Steel. No, what's about time? Blah 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 blah. I don't think they ever said it was specifically. I mean, maybe it will definitely have. It'll be. It'll resemble the Krypton of Man of Steel, but mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that it was supposed to. Uh, I I prefer if it. You know, if they it was just its own thing. Like I've I've sort of had daydreams about like a, a pre you know a Krypton pre explosion story. Like you know, following you know the relationship of like Jor El and Laura. You know, and like uh-huh. his friendship was with Zod, and you know, kind of how it all goes south at the end. Well, you know, seeing that build up. The uh, the thing that they're trying to do is it's going to show the House of L when it's a little bit uh, like in the dumps. And it's going to be about um, it, you know, a Krypton or the House of El turning around, becoming this powerful name on the planet. Hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm not seeing. Okay, maybe maybe I had just made some assumptions, or I had been lied to to my face, which is also possible. Well, well David Goyer, you know. He's... Well, because because people keep using the Man of Steel, like saying the Man of Steel's grandfather in all of their articles, and I think that's what threw me off. Oh, there you go. Obvious associations. Yeah. Uh, 
but... Is there a plane flying overhead? Right now, yes. Okay, I can hear that. Uh, I, was, I was like, what is that? So, Krypton coming to sci-fi. I think that's actually a pretty appropriate place for it because they'll be able to do fun, crazy stuff and not have to worry about alienating their audience. Uh, and I've, you know, I've heard there's actually been some good sci-fi original programming, so it's a promising place. Yeah, you know, just as long as as long as you get the right creative team and the right overhead, you know, control yeah. of the property, then there's there's no reason why the channel itself has to be a marker of a bad show. Mm-hmm. And and they don't have to worry about like making it super, you know, like if it's not going to be on CW, so they don't have to be like, oh, everyone's going to be really young and attractive and sleeping with one another. It's they can, <laughs> you know, they could potentially actually tell really good. I mean, Battlestar Galactica up until the last episode, you know, was pretty good. Yeah. And that was very serious sci-fi. And to have something in that vein on yeah. that channel, like, you know, that, that that could actually be really good. And yeah. Anna was like, I want a Battlestar Galactica poster in the house. And I was like, uh. <laughs> she, she loves Battlestar Galactica. I mean, she finished it, right? Yeah. she's No, she's watched the show maybe three times over. Really? Yeah, okay. she, she loves it. Huh. She okay. doesn't necessarily like the ending any more than anyone else. Okay, but she okay. loves the majority of the show. No, no, I mean, the majority of the show was really great. Absolutely but, was. And, and well, maybe, maybe while we're talking about TV shows, we could talk about the Titans I pilot. was just about to work into that, yeah. Boom. Titans um, near pilot order on TNT. Or is it, like, now confirmed that it's going to be... I mean, Jeff Johns has basically said, like, the pilot will film in the next year so Exciting. so we will be seeing dick grayson on the small screen we will um which uh, is kind of I mean, sad because it would probably eliminate him from the arrow universe unless the two shows were connected to connect yeah you know it's one of those things where you know i'm, I'm okay with some of these shows not existing in the same thing yeah i, I know i had sent you some text i'm doing a little side thing now um about like that they could you know, like if, if like Arrow and the Flash run like five seasons each, like they could mm-hmm. end, they could they could dovetail it into a sort of uh, street team of Justice Leaguers, so to speak. Well, I, like, I mean, they're building a Justice League. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, it's one of those things where I know that they've made comments like, oh, after the fifth season, you know, of Arrow, like, I don't know how the show could go on without like the flashbacks to Ollie's time on the island. And it's like, all right, we'll end the Arrow, you know give the flash another season and end the flash and then bring them both on to a justice league show, you know, with like arrow, uh, flash, firestorm, Adam, whoever else they want to fill you know, bring in Hawkman. It's just like, it's that team. It's like that B team of justice league, you know, what? I mean, firestorm's not necessarily B team. Uh, he's, he's, he's pretty B team. He's not anyone that isn't, who's going to be in a justice league movie is deemed B team. Well, I mean, but the Flash, the Flash was a B team. Okay, well, he gets to be the go-between. I wasn't thinking of that. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Oh, you showed me. Um, But, you know, Flash gets to be the A-lister that hangs out with all the schlubs. But um, but I I think that would be a fun way to go about it. But anyway, Titans pilot. um, They're referring to... uh, I'm assuming the grown-up versions of the Teen Titans, right? Because they're um, using they're using the name Titans, not Teen Titans. Yeah, and and it's Dick Grayson as Nightwing, not Robin. Um, True. Also that. 
So I, I don't know which characters they're going to use. I'm assuming it's going to be the Marv Wolfman, George Perez team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll have your Raven, uh, Cyborg, and um, uh, Starfire. So what we're essentially what you're saying is what we're going to get is we're going to get the Teen Titans uh, cartoon live action, and everyone's a little bit older. Yeah, that's a good. That's probably a good way to describe it. I mean, that's. I mean, I, it's not going to be as goofy, yeah. irreverent. Sure, Beyond Dick but... Grayson, that's you know the extent of my knowledge of the show. But it, oh man, I mean, it was it, so good. It, but I mean, I mean of of Titans of of the, of the new show. Oh, okay. um, but I mean, it, it, there's, it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with following in the footsteps of the the Wolfman Perez run. Well, no, and it makes sense because like even me, you know, mentioning the show, like people who watch that show are now getting to be in their twenties, and that would be a good gap where it's like, hey, remember that. You know the team you really loved. It's like, look now, there's going to be a new show about them. It would also get people to watch TNT, which is that channel you always forget still exists. Hey, TNT's got lots of great programming. Like, let me go ahead and Google TNT original programming. <laughs> uh, right, that's that's all you get. Yeah, I have no idea. What? Oh, oh falling skies. Oh, I actually want to watch Falling Skies. I've heard Falling Skies is really good. The Last Ship, Rizzolian Isles. David, we're missing out. Actually, we kind of are. There's some stuff on there I want to watch. Yeah, I mean, I I watched, like, I think the first episode of Falling Skies. Maybe it's got, you know, I I don't want to say it's it's gotten better. Falling Skies, I I guess, is ending next year. Um, It's it's been on since 2011. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive for a sci fi show. Yeah. Wait, Transporter the series? Like, is it on its way? No, apparently it already exists. I had no idea. That's a it's a thing. Uh I guess it's a wait, it's a TNT series. Sorry, we are on such a tangent right now. Wow. Anyway, TNT. Heck yeah, TNT. <laughs> yeah, oh, TNT Mob, podcast. Mob City, it has uh, the guy Shane from The Walking Dead. Oh. John Bern Bern Bernthal. Uh yeah, future scripted programming Titans. So it seems like that's confirmed. Um, yeah, they've. I mean, they've got you know stuff people watch. Last Ship. I wanted to watch that actually. I did see. I saw promos for that. I was like, oh, that's oh yeah, TNT had the Witchblade show. I actually watched that one. Already. Wait, really? Yeah, the Witchblade show. Oh man. Interesting. Oh, man. Uh, anyway. Ooh, and it has private lives of Nashville wives. Oh, my God. I hate myself as that came out of my mouth. Yeah, so many great things on TNT. You guys yep. should be watching it. And tune in next week for another exciting episode of the Heck Yeah TNT podcast. <laughs> Not Heck Yeah, We Love Explosive TNT. No. Except for explosive cable drama. TNT. We, we love explosive cable drama. <laughs> Uh, all right. How about um, the fact that Marvel Marvel tried and failed to get Spider Man in Civil War? Uh, well, you know, thanks for trying, guys. But that being said, as cool as it would be, as cool as it would have been to see Spider Man interacting, and this includes even if it was the the Andrew Garfield Spider Man, who as an individual I'm a fan of, mm-hmm. um, it would have been cool to to see him in the film. I think, given you know the way that they've established the universe so far. The, uh, the 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 central role that Spider-Man took had in the original the, the comic book Civil War mm-hmm. was precipitated on the fact that like there was such a long-standing relationship that was built up like his place in the universe. Whereas mm-hmm. like 
if we're only being introduced to Spider-Man in this film, beyond the fact that, of course, everyone knows who Spider-Man is, story-wise, it wouldn't ring as true. Yeah. So, I'm okay. I would still love to see Marvel have claim some kind of usage, you know, even if it's a partnership between Marvel and Sony, that, like, Marvel could launch, you know, as sort of, like, the developer, and Sony's, like, the distributor or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Well, um, or something. Well, wait. Did you? So, have you not read this news story then? I read some of it. Like, I got the gist of what it was. So, the the Sony Pictures president uh, pitched a new Spider-Man trilogy to be produced by Marvel, but distributed by Sony. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And... So, I mean that that you know that could still happen. Uh, well, um, apparently that fell through. Yeah, I mean you never know. Sony well, might get desperate. Now, we I could, mean, now that all this news has come out, who knows what's going to happen? Cert, um, certainly, if there's a, a huge, 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 you know, audience response to the idea, you know, yeah. they're, they're thinking money. I mean, like this still should, this still would make money if Marvel could reclaim Spider-Man some way and put, you know, and and, and include him in the, in their universe, even if it's like a Spider-Man trilogy and like an Avengers appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't see how they couldn't make a ton of money off of that, and that both parties are financially satisfied well and about that that's the issue is it's always money yeah and and that's what's keeping them apart here is who's going to get the lion's share because they're never going to split it right down the middle that's not going to happen and you know people were really like getting on sony or uh like you know because marvel was like hey we want spider-man in here and then Sony like turned it down. We don't know like the the conditions, but people were getting so pissed off at Sony. They were like, "Oh, you guys are the worst!" Like, but you know, be cool. It's like, yeah, as fans, we want that. But look, they have to make a profit, and we have no idea what the terms were. Marvel could have been like, "Oh, look, we'll give you two million dollars." You know, like obviously it's not going to be that low, but you know, and then Sony could have come back with a counter offer that wasn't, you know, that was too much. You know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, Sony knowing this is going to be a big pie, they're like, hey, look, Spider-Man's going to be in 10% of the film, you know, runtime-wise. We want 10% of the profits. Obviously, Marvel's not going to do that. Like, there's so many reasons this could have fallen through. And as fans, it's easy for us to be like, why can't everyone just get along? Uh, but we, you know, that's that's just easily dismissing that these are businesses that want to make money. Mm-hmm. And... Spider-Man's obviously uh, highly lucrative. You know, even if Spider Amazing Spider-Man 2 uh was not you know what everyone had hoped it would be, it's Sony's not going to give him up because they know with responses like that they can still get your money mm-hmm. with him. Uh so I mean we'll see. We don't know what the future's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see whenever this era of of movies of superhero movies ends and then like in 20 years when our kids are going to be so excited about oh man they're making they're making a new iron man movie and it's like they're going to start things all over again you know right we're gonna be like ah, right it's like back in my it, day we right. had phases we robert Downey jr was still alive <laughs> well he probably will still be alive he was our Iron Man. Rah, 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 no rah, one rah. can be better than Robert Downey Jr. Batfleck. <laughs> we all lived through Batfleck. <laughs> we lived and loved through Batfleck. Right. Thank you I'm, very much. I'm, I'm still okay with it. I'm still okay with it. Ugh. Nick. Ugh. What? I'm okay with it. All right. Look. Look, we're kind of running low on time here. 
Oh, yeah, so, you got to get to work. I got to get to work soon. I got to still try to <laughs> shove food in my mouth soon. David, David, why were you late? <laughs> because comics. Yep. So, real quick, we're going to talk about the fact that Star Wars number one confirmed to exceed one million copies sold. One million copies. All right. I don't, you know, did the, a similar thing happened with Rocket Raccoon? No, 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 coming? no. It was not even close to this number. This is oh, the top-selling single issue of the past 20 years. Oh, I apologize. Um, it's, I bet you, and this is this doesn't actually deflate the, 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 the number, um, but if it's anything like Rocket Raccoon, it's because, I bet it's going to be because of Loot Crate. I don't know if it's included in Loot Crate. I mean, I don't think they've announced the Loot Crate for that time, and I don't really know a whole lot about Loot Crate, but I, I bet for how high that number is, I don't actually think... Now, there's a lot of Star Wars fans. I get that. It's hard <laughs> to say if there's more Star Wars fans than there are comic book fans, and I know there's overlap, but... Um, Ooh, Jason Aaron. Just, yeah, Jason Aaron and John Cassidy. Which, John Cassidy, since Uncanny on Avengers, I haven't been like... like I like his work, but it has didn't light, doesn't light me on fire the way that it used to, like with Astonishing X-Men and Planetary. Mm-hmm. Still, still, you know, his bad day is still better than, you know, some artists. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I, I could have, I would have probably, I, I wasn't necessarily as excited that, you know, that he was the artist versus someone else that I might find more compelling. Yeah. Um, um, but, I mean, I, I do like Jason Aaron. Uh, I actually caught up on the, the Thor series, the new Thor series uh, oh, yeah. last night. Um, either way, uh, I mean, a million copies, that's great. Let's, you know, I hope the book is good. And if people are reading it, I hope that as a comic book, it can be a gateway drug to get other people into new Suicide Squad. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, why not? No, no, not, maybe not new Suicide Squad. Maybe, uh, maybe, um. Now, it's, it's important to note that this one million, uh, numbers, it's the number of copies being sold into the direct market. Yep. So not actually to individuals. No, but I think we're still going to see something close to that because you're going to have people who haven't read, you know, comics in years are going to be coming out of the woodwork for this. Um, you're going to have like all of the the you're you're going to have a few you know Star Wars Star Horse fans who are going to like shun this, but a large number of them are still going to buy their stuff. You're going to have people like me out of genuine curiosity purchasing this issue. Uh, so I don't think you know. Obviously, that the sales numbers won't be may may not be. It's not going to be a million. million copies every issue. Right. Oh, ob- obviously it's not. Drop but the fact that but... like that that they are anticipating with these kind of numbers that hey, our sales are going to be crazy. Like that's you know that's that's pretty cool. It is cool. It's cool to see one million up there in comic books again. And I mean um, that's not even counting digital sales. I mean that that's going to be. That's just that's just to fit the direct market. This yeah. is going to be a popular one. Um. I bet there's going to be a lot of speculators that are going to buy it thinking like, this is going to be worth money. You know, it's like, right. all right, so there's a million copies of it. No one's going to want it. I know. That's um, kind of the problem with all the 90s comics. Um, you know, and, and this this is purely like from from my own perspective. Like, I, I like Star Wars. There's a lot of elements of Star Wars that I, I find interesting and if not fascinating. Mm-hmm. As a whole, and I actually rewatched the original trilogy not that long ago. <laughs> within the last you know four months or so and and i realized you know as a product of its time how impressive it was like my brothers my older brothers you know were there like when it you know um like they, they were probably like in 
I don't know how old they were. They're, they're <laughs> old. Um, but uh, they, they watched it, like the first Star Wars when it first came out. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, so I, I, I accept Star Wars for the impressive feat it was at the time. And the, <coughs> oh my God, I'm choking to death. Um, okay, I hope so. Hold, <laughs> hold on. Oh, hey, I'm, I'm Nick. I'm, you know, everyone yeah. thinks I'm so great. Thank you. Thank you, David. Um, I, I think that I'm not like, I'm not, I'm a, a fan of Star Wars, but I'm not a Star Wars fan. Yeah, so, such a joke. So, so I, and, and it's funny, like, because this Star Wars issue, you know, this is, takes place directly after A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And and since they, and that works because they, they have since jettisoned all the greater right, Star they're, Wars. Right, they're rebuilding. It, it's just funny because literally in the last year, Brian Wood was telling the Post a New Hope section. Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's just, it's just kind of funny that like not even a year later, we're getting the same period of time retold <laughs> in a new fashion. And, and it'll be fun maybe after... Um, uh, I, I don't know how many issues of the Brian Wood one there are, like eighteen or something. Like after the first eighteen issues of this series, we can like read both and be like, "All right, which one do we like better?" <laughs> yeah, um, which would be funny. Um, that being said, like I watched the Force Awakens trailer and mm-hmm. it's 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 got me excited. So excited. <clears throat> um, you know, and it, it could be the thing that kind of hits the sweet spot for me as far as Star Wars go. It's like I, I, I get why people like it, but that like it, it hasn't like inspired me you know like i don't i i i, I there's a there's a missing connection it's because you're there's dead inside line. it's fine it, you're dead inside it's definitely because i'm dead inside and i'm i'm looking maybe i'm putting too much stock in star wars as being able to to revive to, your, to, to, your to, to resurrect heart. my heart uh maybe all that said i i i i am generally interested in seeing where the star wars universe goes from here because now this is a point where more or less, and I don't think George Lucas has necessarily been hands-on, you know, for years. Oh no, George this... Lucas. George Lucas the other day said that he has not seen the trailer. He's waiting to see it in the theaters, which is fine. Like that, I read a bunch of those articles, and it was kind of like, uh, oh, um, uh, what, what, what am I trying to say? Oh, um, you know, it was like, oh, George Lucas doesn't care, and it's like he well, doesn't, not... doesn't care. He just he's just waiting to see the movie, right? And you know, people get like he even admitted like when he sold it that it was not really like in his heart and soul anymore. It wasn't yeah. necessarily in this, and now it's like he's going to pass it off and just to people who are going to do something great with it. And he, you know, he wants he's going to enjoy it. He wants to enjoy it. Yeah, but now you can enjoy it's, it. It's as like a fan, it's, so to speak. It's, it's not his. It's not part of his life anymore. Yeah. Well, to a certain degree, it's still making him boatloads of cash. Yeah, you know, he's, it's, now it's kind of like the Marvel Universe after, like, Stan Lee, you know, Jack Kirby, all of them kind of moved away from it. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's taking these original concepts, and, and even though they, they have been in the hands of other creative types, like, the actual, like, like now, the, especially with the expanded universe jettisoned, as far as continuity goes, like, it really is going to be a completely, you know, mishmash of various creative voices now getting on the ground for creating the star wars not a possible star wars yeah so anyway cool trailer 
cool lightsaber, you know, all that. Oh, man, there's so much to say about that, but it's not a comic, so we're just going to have to wait. Until Marvel announces a Force Awakens comic. And then I can talk all about it. Um, (laughs) We'll we'll come back to the trailer. If that's anything like, I remember um, the Clone Wars comic came out before the movie. And seeing it in my shop and flipping open like the last couple pages and seeing yeah. the end of that movie before I got to watch it in theaters. <laughs> You're talking about the animated one? No, no, no. Like the uh, Attack of the Clones. Clone. Yeah, uh, the, okay. the second and the prequels. Mm-hmm. Everyone's absolutely favorite films of all time. All right. So let's get on quickly to our recommendations. Nick, do you have a recommendation prepared for us today? No. Okay, well, I have one that we'll go with real quick. I'm going to recommend that people watch Man of Steel again. Because there's a lot of people out there who didn't like that film and are dumb uh, <laughs> for not liking the film. No, people had some very harsh they had some very harsh visceral reactions to it. And I think that if they went back and watched it a second time, uh, they would catch things they hadn't before stuff that they you know didn't didn't like the first time is going to be a lot clearer as to what they were trying to do i think a lot of people missed the point of that movie um that i want to talk about more as we get closer to uh batman v superman when we get some details because i I have i have some feelings and some stuff they're going to deal with that i think are going to change people's view on man of steel but that being said man of steel is a great film uh you should go and watch it again and uh, get the stick out of your collective butts. <laughs> Is this a recommendation for the movie or a condemnation of the people that didn't like it? Semantics. Semantics. Uh, that's funny. Nah, okay. So, you know, we've had, we've had a good time here today. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, you can find out more about the show by going to heckyeahcomics.com. Follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. Uh, and you can, of course, email the show with any of your thoughts and whatnot at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at Davluz, and you can find Nick um, in a secret government organization with a bomb planted in his brain and probably about to die at any moment. Uh, as always... Sounds you... about right. Yep. As always, uh, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, goodbye. See ya. Worst episode ever.